this season turn it up to 10 sort of like a bad habit we're gonna do it again ready or not we're gonna tie up some ends go tell a 36 try to grab all the friends we're back like we never left on track like a treble clef skip a beat on the seventh rest bring feast we don't pass them over we got the first fruits no way to show us this yoke is easy this burns light even with the loud mouth trying to eat at the mic even if we down south the humidity spike bales torn in two so we gonna be all right it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a job full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to the throne It is Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 452. It is the last show of season 10. My name is Caleb Hag. I'm amazed at that. Finishing season 10. That means our next show, Lord willing, should we have one? Should he tarry another week? I hope he comes back today. We need it, but nice. I'm Rob Vanoff, either way. Yeah, man. Uh, so we've had, uh, there's been no mixed reviews at all. No mixed reviews at all. People have emailed. People have commented. Uh, they say, keep the season 10 music. Do not change. Uh, I had a very heartwarming uh, email from a person, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, like, this is great. I'm reading along. It's like, we love you guys so much. We listen every week, blah, blah, this kind uh-huh. of stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to go, this is going to go into some like, please pray for me or, you know, uh, you guys are such a blessing, blah, you know, whatever. And then <laughs> and in, the end, in, in the end, she's like, please don't change the music. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's clarify. They like, does music mean the whole pro- production? Or it, like, we have to do something to put sprinkle some season eleven sauce on the existing because you have the you have the control right you have the you have the master tapes right you can go in and re. <laughs> I agree. I I love it as it is, but I'm like, hmm. Could you? Could we? Uh, 
rearrange the backup vocal kind of thing, you know. You guys never <laughs> can tell what the mastermind, the evil mastermind <laughs> has in store. <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you this. I'll, I will tell you this. No matter what happens, um, no matter what happens, the season 10 music as it is right now will continue to be played throughout season 11. That's what I can tell you. Cool. That's what I can tell you. Um, so I'm don't, happy. I'm happy never, never fear, that. never fear. We're going to, uh, we're going to, it's going to be good. Okay. I'm going to move my show notes over here so I can still see Rob when I'm looking at him. Okay. Well, uh, no matter what, th it's been a wild ride thus far. We've done 10 seasons. We could look back at some of our favorite. Wow some of our favorite parts. When this show started, it was just audio. When it started, we actually pre-recorded. We had breaks. Um, we, uh, oh, somebody, hey, and now I, I will say this is a great, uh, this is a great comment in the, uh, in the chat room. I started following Rob on Twitter and he's just a menace to Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, like this last hey, week, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be loving, but firm, right? I, yeah, you're going to, you're, that's what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to revel. You're going to have a, a, a second Catholic Re reformation because of Rob on Twitter. Boy, I just, you know, I haven't, there's wow. Yeah. It's just, all I can say is wow. When it comes to people like, and their Catholicism. We're going to talk about this a little bit today. You know, you know they, they I feel it's a, they really feel it's a, it's, it's the one bastion of safety in a crazy world. And I agree with them that the world is crazy and upside down. I, 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 I think what I'm hoping as the Lord willing, if I continue to just kind of interact is find some common ground of like things that they don't like about the world. And they're going to have their little rationalities tied to, Oh, and my solution is follow the Pope kind of thing. And I'm, I'm wanting to just get in there and in as much as you can do in a Twitter thing. We talk about the pendulum all the time. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter if you become a Calvinist, then, you know, the pendulum swings and you're in the cage stage, then it swings back and you're okay. Well, uh, you know, the pendulum for the Torah terrorist is, is, is strong amongst uh, Torah observant people as well. But I will say that my, my, um, my personal pendulum is swinging right now. And so, you know, in the past year and a half, two years, you guys have heard me talk a lot about the church and, you know, hey, if you don't have a place to go, go to a, a Christian church, so on and so forth. I will say the more that I interact and the more that I'm, uh, you know, speaking with, especially reformed brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, I have to say, I think that there is a, a significant amount of made up religion, even within evangelical circles. Uh, and that uh, people hold on to their man-made traditions so hard. You know, I've pushed, I know you've been pushing against the Catholics. I've just been just unashamedly pushing. I know, I've seen. I, I, you're just like, you go in and like drop a bomb. I don't, I don't understand why evangelicals would ever eat pork. God says right. don't do it. You know, like just Caleb, just like, you just drop these, these giant, like. But, but the thing boulders. is, is that like. I, some of that comes from the place of me just being tired of like, I, I just can't understand the more, the more I study God's law and the more that I, you know, the more I understand it, the more I dive into it. And this isn't, I'm not just talking about the, the more Torah. you want to delight in it and oh, how the can more you delight, I do delight in the Torah and say, oh yeah, well, yeah, this, here's the thing. Know, I'm, I'm in the place way. right now where I'm delighting in the law so much that it is offensive to me. It is like genuinely <laughs> offensive to me that someone would be like, oh, well, you can totally eat pork. And the thing is, well, is, he got, the Torah calls it an abomination. Exactly. So, but here's the, here's the yeah. other thing is that for me, th this is where it's really, really coming and coming down is that I'm seeing, and I see this even, so I'm reading, I'm reading like five books right now. I'm reading, I'm slowly, but surely like two pages a night, I'm reading Bonson's book uh, by this standard. And the reason why is because I've referenced that book so many times, I figure I should actually finish it, right? But it, it I mean, I got to some of the hard parts where he's talking about why the, this these laws are done away with and all this kind of stuff. I'm reading another one by Roy Gain, which is uh, the, old, uh, the, the Old Testament law for Christians. I'm reading another one from Averbeck on the place of the law for Christians. So like I'm reading all these books, right? And Here's the thing. They all say the same thing, which is that the law is a reflection of God's holiness. 
I totally they agree start with that. On such a great, yeah, right. And they, they and start like, with the de- the delighting in the Torah, right? They start. Like, it yes. reminds me of Piper's Desiring God. It's like he, yes. it's just like you're like, man, this guy preach it, preach it, and then all of a sudden, what? Yeah, exactly. And then all, and then all of a sudden they're like, but these laws are done away. And here's the thing. If it's a reflection of God's holiness and God doesn't change and God's holiness doesn't change, therefore Israel is not consumed. Right. Then clearly the laws can't change. It's just that simple. And the thing is, is that when like, that's why they call him the rock, like Hatsur, like our God is a rock. It doesn't mean he's literally a rock. It's a metaphor to say he, it's unwavering. It, it's so, but, but here's, foundation. A, here's the thing though, through this, through this logic and through this theology that I'm going through to say that a law is done away with, or a law doesn't matter anymore is to say a piece of God doesn't matter anymore because it is a reflection of, of him. It's a reflection of his holiness. You are diminishing God's holiness by saying that these laws aren't. And honestly, it's making me upset. And so like I, I'm, fully aware that the pendulum is swinging and I'm on the other side now of the, you know, of the pendulum swing and I'm probably going to need to, br- you know, recorrect and come back the other way a little well, bit. Get, let's reel, reel it back reel in. in. Caleb, reel him back. Man, it's no. ticking me off. Anyway. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move it. This is, this has been your rabbit trails by Loudmouth and the Hoff. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, okay. Why can't I hear you? Seahag at TorahResource.com, C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com is our email address. Go ahead and send us whatever you want to tell us how much you're ticked off at us. It doesn't, that doesn't really matter. You can tell us whatever you want. Same thing with our comment line. You won't talk to us. You just talk to an answer machine, 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. Tell us how much you love us, hate us, agree with us, disagree with us. It doesn't really matter. Tell us whatever you want. Tell us about your day. And I'll leave that, you know, leave that stuff for Facebook and Instagram. Um, okay. Uh, MessiahMatters.com. Now, I am making changes to this. For those of you who have signed up for show notes, if you're saying to yourself, man, I really wish that the show notes were more consistent, I'm consolidating all of these pages into one page. And what's going to happen is, you know, get excited for this because I'm excited for this. What's going to happen is each post is going to have the YouTube video, the podcast in it, and what else? the podcast, and uh, all the show notes. So it'll all be combined into one into one note. And so there'll only be one page. Um, anyway, so I'm excited for that because it's going to save me a ton of time and a ton of work. Okay, but you can find past shows all the way back to season, what, one? I think we do have shows from season one all the way, all the way back to season one. I don't recommend listening to them. Uh, they're pretty awful. But you know what? It's it's part of the history. So but they're, um, there. they're there. They're there. They're there. Uh, this show is produced by TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource for all of your Hanukkah needs. Hanukkah is quickly approaching. It's uh, two days away. No, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow night, right? Yeah, tomorrow night, sundown. Uh, and uh, you can find all sorts of stuff there. Great stuff. And uh, Rob just did. Check this out. Check this out. You're not going to believe this. Rob just did a micro course on Hanukkah with a uh, knowledge quiz and everything that you take beforehand. Then you watch the video and then you take it again to see how far you've come. It is only available. It is only available. I'm sure Mike's going to post a link here if he's listening. It is only available in the library. Now, I understand we're trying to fix this so that people will have a monthly option as well. So hopefully within a year or so, you're going to be able to get a, a monthly membership um, at, at the, for the library. Until that happens, you do have to sign up for a year. I know. I know what you're thinking. I'm not. I, do I really want to pay for a whole year? The answer is yes, you do. Trust me, you do. It's less than $10 a month, and uh, you're, you're going to benefit greatly from a, from a library membership. But... The other thing is you'll be able to go and check out Rob's Hanukkah micro course. It is a uh, 45-minute lecture, uh, approximately, uh, and a uh, quiz that you can take, PDF that you can print out. It is fantastic. I would highly recommend it. Okay, and finally, last but not least, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it does help us. If you're already subscribed, go ahead and click that like button. Smash the like button. It helps us. Okay, (laughs) now let's get to it. Cynthia writes in. Are Gentiles second-class citizens? Now, I do want to say she uh, she uh, sent in two questions. We're going to try to get to both of them. Don't know if we're going to get to both of them. So we're going to sprinkle in some other 
questions as well from other people throughout this uh, this show. But uh, the first, now I have edited these a little bit just for time's sake. Um, so anyway, this is not the full. Thank you for posting those links, uh, Mike. Okay, this is not the full uh, email, but uh, I told Cynthia that we'd be talking about this today. So if she's wondering why it's edited, that's why, for time's sake. So she says this. Now, I was told by a Messianic Jewish rabbi, there's your first problem, but nonetheless, I was told told by a, a Messianic Jewish rabbi that a Gentile does not need to keep all of the Torah, just like a woman does not need to keep the laws of circumcision, and a single young lady is not under the law for marriage. There are laws that Gentiles do not need to follow because they are not under certain laws. For example, wearing tzitzit. They told me it is a Jewish identity, and it's not for Gentiles to do. If we want to, we can, but it's not something we have to do. Now, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I'm going to keep going because she gives another example. Another example for the whole second-class citizen is the idea of calling myself a Messianic Jewish believer, which I somewhat understand. I was born from a Catholic-slash-Christian background. I didn't know about the Messianic movement until I was 14, starting high school. I want to follow the laws of God and keep his beautiful holidays and keep Shabbat and kosher laws. When others ask me what religion I follow, I usually say I follow the Messianic Jewish religion. But some Messianics say I am not a Messianic Jew because I was not born slash raised Jewish. I'm a Messianic Gentile or a Christian. So for someone who is a Gentile, are we not allowed the same lifestyle as the chosen people? Okay. This... What was the name of the Cynthia. person? Cynthia. Say, say it again. Oh, Cynthia. 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 This Thanks, is, Cynthia. I appreciate it. This is... Uh, Perhaps one of the more heartbreaking, <laughs> heartbreaking emails we get. Uh, it, it, we see this all the time in the Messianic movement. This is one of the reasons. So uh, Torah Resource and my father, Tim Haig, are what I would consider the outliers of the Messianic movement. If you watch, some people have sent me a video recently uh, from a podcast called Two Messianic Jews. They, uh, they try to uh, distinguish the difference between Messianic Judaism and anyone else who doesn't believe basically what they believe. Um, and in so doing, they say that anyone who believes in one law theology, that is that the Torahs for Jew and Gentile alike, are not Messianic Jews. Now, I, I strongly disagree with this. I think that that is, theologically, I think that that is incorrect. Because I don't think that Messianic Judaism is necessarily a theology. I think that it's a practice. Messianic Judaism is a practice. And the reason we can say this is because if you look at the MJAA, if you look at the UMJC, if you look at many other uh, forms of Messianic Judaism, uh, the Messianic Baptist, the uh, Messianic Southern Baptist, so on and so forth, what you get is a wide range of belief, people who have all sorts of different theologies. And so what these, the podcast Two Messianic Jews want to do is they want to now define Messianic Judaism as a theology. I think that this is incorrect. Messianic Judaism is a practice. It is attempting to practice the laws of Torah according to what rabbinic Judaism has set forward in some way, shape, or form. Now, there's all sorts of scales on that, but that's how I see Messianic Judaism. Uh, Rob, I saw that you wanted to say something. I'm going to let you jump in here. Go. I just want to... Is did I we met those guys a couple of years ago? Did we meet them in maybe in Denver or something? Yeah, I think they were there um, this year too. I got one of their their cards. It's it's almost like I think that they are the anti Robin Caleb. Like they like <laughs> they like started like we're the like who what other podcasts are there that are teaching one Torah like it, from a robust like language historical you know, understanding and, and rootedness. Um, I don't know of any, but, uh, but yeah, if, if, if the religion is one where, yeah, we, we, uh, uh, ordain messianic rabbis, we believe the oral ta- oral Torah is for, um, for Jews. Right. We dabble in the Talmud. Yeah. That, and you're, and you're a part of Yeshua's flock. I would say just that's it's not a good place. I mean, it's not I, a good I, place for you. It, it, why? Because they are they are in the same way that we see in different denominations. They're putting traditions ahead of 
the word of God. You know, I mean, it's it's really that simple. I think so. It's don't expect to go to a Mark Kinzer or a David Rudolph or a who are some of the you know Stuart Dowerman or any of these major uh, or what's the what Russ knows Resnick, Resnick or Je- mm-hmm. yeah any of these I don't know sorry if I missed the names. Point is, don't expect them to affirm you as a non-Jew with relationship to the Torah that you're not going to get an affirmation of that. You're going to get a, what is called a dividing wall. Now it's not a physical wall now, like the Soreg was in the Jerusalem, in Herod's temple, but it's a, it's a look, don't you come this far and you stop, you know, and and that's, that's an ingrained policy and it reinforces their worldview. You know, uh, and, here, here, here's what here's what you're so, you're so right that at the same time you can find messianic Jewish quote rabbis out there that will eat pork because of their Christian liberty. So it is really a mess. Uh, it is met. They put the mess in messianic uh, just as much as. But the here, here's the here, here's the other thing is that you know there there was a there was a messianic rabbi, a very prominent messianic rabbi that I spoke to. He wouldn't let me record the conversation, and I, I know why, but um, I had a, a lengthy conversation with him. He is on the steering committee of the IAMCS. That's why we were having the conversation, because I said that he was uh, very incorrect to call my dad a, basically a heretic. Um, he is high up in the, I, uh, in the MJAA, okay? And uh, we were having this conversation. And uh, he mentioned, well, you know, Tim's not even Jewish. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, his, his mother's maiden name is Schwartz. He's 100% like he's Jewish on his mother's side. And he said, wait, what? Well, you guys should be part of the MJAA then. That's exactly what he said to me. Let me in send other words, you the fee schedule so you yeah, guys start paying your dues. Exactly. And and the thing is, is that in his <laughs> mind, he didn't care about theology. He didn't care one. So even the high ups in the IAMCS and the MJAA, <laughs> they don't care about theology when it comes to Messianic Judaism. If you are Jewish by blood, you're in. That's it. You're, you're a messy. And, and especially if you have a beard, wear a kippah, wear a tzitzit, and keep a kosher diet, you are 100% a Messianic Jew. Doesn't matter about theology. So the the notion that that people like the the two messianic Jews put forward that you have to believe that the Torah is only for Jews, this is nonsense. But let's get back to the actual uh, email. We have two major uh, issues here. Number one is the idea of Torah for Gentiles. This is a, a main talking point within what I would consider to be now and to the the two messianic Jews uh, podcast credit they are right that the majority I would say that probably 75% of the main if not more of the leadership of the MJAA and the UMJC IAMCS all these letter all these alphabet soup uh, organizations they are right that they're going to say the Torah is for the Jews and not for the Gentiles that's not the case when you start talking to people in the pews okay when when you ta- start talking to congregants you have a much more diverse view of this. With all of that said, let's go to the Torah. If you are a sojourner, if you're a ger who is among Israel, who's living among Israel, the, the law is the same for the stranger and for the ger, for, for the, I'm sorry, for the stranger and for the native born to celebrate the festival of Passover, right? So what does a ger have to do to celebrate the festival of Passover. You have to get circumcised. You become circumcised. According to the Torah, not according to man-made tradition, but you become circumcised. And you enter the the Abrahamic covenant, you enter the Mosaic covenant. What happens if a person gets circumcised? James tells us, everybody, like even the Torah tells us, if a person is circumcised and they're a covenant member, all of the Torah applies. We see this with Caleb, right? Caleb in the Torah. He's a, what is it, a Kezite, a Kezanite, whatever it is, right? But then he comes into land, he's numbered among Judah, but he's a Gentile. How is he numbered among Judah if he is a Gentile? The answer is that he becomes a covenant member, and since he's residing with, with the people of Judah, he's counted among Judah. He's seen as 
part of Judah. We see this in Ezekiel too. The Gentiles now have land rights in Ezekiel in the millennium time. Why? Well, the answer is because they are covenant members. They're living among the, the tribes of Israel. They're seen as those tribes. As soon as you become a covenant member, it doesn't matter what your bloodline is, you are heirs according to promise, which means that the Torah, you're not a second-class citizen when it comes... and the Messianic Jews aren't going to relent on this. They're not going to all of a sudden be like, wow, you showed me all this in the Torah. That means I'm going to change my theology. No, they're not going to do that. But this is one of the reasons that we push so hard against the mainstream Messianic view that the Torah is only for, for Gentile or for Jews. The notion that like the FFOZ has put out a prayer book that has one prayer for the Jews and one prayer for the Gentiles is totally against Torah. And it's totally against Paul too. The entire book of Galatians yeah, speaks that, to that this. That attitude, it's because they're worried, they're tiptoeing around the Orthodox. Orthodox, right. they're tiptoeing yes. around the rabbi, the real rabbis. <laughs> so the Messianic oh, rabbis are fake rabbis burn. and they're tiptoeing around real rabbis because they don't want to be targeted. Yep. That's, that's it. They don't want to be the, they want to be accepted by other men. We got to get you a mic. Fear of man ahead of fear of God. And that's what Galatians is all about. He says, what good is it? it? How can I be a servant of Messiah and be afraid of other people? You can't. Am I trying to please man or God? That's what Paul says in in Galatians 1, I think, verse 10. And it sets the stage for the, his whole point in Galatians is if you're behaving out of fear of man, you're going to build man-made religion. If you're behaving out of fear of God, you are in the line of the prophets. And, and they persecuted the prophets were before you, like Yeshua says. But blessed are you, right, when they persecute you for my name's sake. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great is your treasure in heaven. But these these guys, it's like they're pursuing treasure on earth. And they want to they want to please unbelieving rabbis. I don't know. Tell me, tell me a better motivation. Because it's it's it the the very idea that they want to ordain rabbis means they want to be like unbelieving rabbis. It's not believing rabbis that the Orthodox are trying to be like. It's it's the it's the Talmudic rabbis that the believers who are drunk the Kool-Aid want to be like them. They want to be like something that's not from the scriptures. The Messianic and candy they, land. The rabbinic candy land. Rabbinic candy land. They want to come out with all the Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you get the like you get Shapira quoting like Kabbalistic literature and all the like how many times does he say the great these great rabbis and you know these these same great rabbis who believe in reincarnation and perfectibility of man by keeping the commandments and that you can hasten the re, the messianic age through tikkun Dude it's it's yeah. Well, woe to messianic rabbis. Fear God. You know, the beginning of wisdom is, you know, beginning of wisdom is, is fear of God. Let's, let's, I mean, I'm completely with what you're saying. I, yes. Let's, but we've, let's, we've, we've maybe changed the lanes from well, No, from I don't think email. we have. In <laughs> fact, I think, but I think that this is the answer to Cynthia's first question. And the answer is no. The notion that the Torah is not for you is exactly what Paul is speaking against in Galatians. The, this, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Messianic Judaism has this same mentality that Judaism has, which is bloodline superiority. I'm Jewish by blood, and therefore I'm better than you. Right? But the, but but the point is, the point that Paul makes is no, you are a covenant member, heirs according to promise. Don't let any you are a, you are a child of Abraham, and therefore you are a covenant member, and therefore the entire covenant applies to you. Don't let anyone say that they're better than you because they because of bloodline. That's racism. Okay. With that said, let's go to her second question. I now we've talked about labels ad nauseum. Uh, on this show so many times. I, I don't want to get into it too much. 
If you, Cynthia, want to call yourself a Messianic believer, a Messianic Christian, a Messianic Jew, whatever you want to do, that is up to you. And uh, those are the uh, issues that you're going to come against because you can have Messianic Jewish people say, well, you're not Messianic, you're not Jewish, whatever. What I what I would say, and I mean, everyone in the chat room knows the, the, the mind boggle that I've had on this one. Do I call myself a pronomian Christian? Do I call myself a Christian? Do I call myself a Messianic? Do I call myself a believer, a Torah observant believer? I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a Christian, you know, most of the time now these days I say, well, I'm a Christian, but, uh, you know, but I believe there's always a, but right. Um, and so with that said, I, I don't think that you're going to get much traction from uh, using words like Messianic Jew, Jew or Messianic Judaism. Um, it depends. And it also depends where you're at. You know, when my father says, well, I'm a Messianic Jew, it makes sense. It makes sense whether or not people agree with it or not. You know, whether or not I would call myself that or not, my father wears a kippah, he wears tzitzit, he has a beard, he, you know, he follows a lot of the rabbinic tradition. It makes sense for him to say that. And when people see him, they understand that. But the point is, is that uh, for me, that's not going to make sense. So I think that this is something you're going to have to navigate on your own. I personally would not associate myself with Messianic Judaism simply for the sake, simply for the reason that mainstream, the the majority of the leadership of mainstream Messianic Judaism um, uh, would say that the Torah is not for the Gentiles. Not all, but the the majority would say that, and because of that, I would I I distance myself from such titles. Anything else on that before we move on to the next? Well, I, I was thinking, I think, is it in, in Ephesians? Where does Paul say he quotes, um, honor your father and mother and it will be well with you. And and it's the, he says it's the first, it's a uh, first commandment with a promise or something right. like that. Who's he telling, who's he teaching that to? And, and then what they say, oh, well, okay. I'll give you honor father and mother, but not the Sabbath, right? But oh, about what about adultery? Okay, I'll give you adultery, <laughs> honor father and mother. What about the greatest two commandments? You know, the Shema, love God with all your heart. Okay, I'll give you that. But wait, that's in, that's not even in the ten words. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I'll give you that. Well, that's that's in Leviticus. Like, at what point do we say, oh, stop right there? And that's the the code word you used earlier was Jewish identity marker. Right. Guess what? There's no word in the Bible called Jewish identity marker. That is a, a made up 20th century scholarly kind of category of the same type as the, the separation of ceremonial from civil and, you know what I mean, and moral commandments. This idea of Jewish ethnic markers and, and uh, or Jewish, what do we call it? What did you call them? Jewish identity markers. Sadly, some of the great, Bible teachers of our day, such as N.T. Wright, fall into that trap. If you look at his commentary on Romans, for example, he gives the three, yep. right? Circumcision, dietary, and feast and uh, festivals or something like that. Like, yeah, those are the hey. Jewish identity markers. And, and then so their picture of Christianity is that Paul, that Jesus came and did away with those. And then Paul went around teaching that those markers uh, are done away. And it's such a, it, look, we, we, we have, know. we, we have really good scholars who have not caught up yet. And I'll give you a perfect example. I disagree with, uh, uh, Dr. Keener, Craig Keener on many, 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 many issues. Now, for those who don't know, Keener is actually a Sabbatarian. Okay. He keeps a Saturday Sabbath. This is, what? this is not the point. Yeah. He, Did I he, know that? I don't know if he, I knew that. He used to attend a Messianic on what congregation back, on what back in the day. He used to attend a Messianic congregation. He, he believes that we should be keeping the Sabbath. Or at least he, maybe, maybe he doesn't believe, maybe I should rephrase that. He doesn't believe theologically, I don't think that we should be keeping the Sabbath, but I think that he's practiced it for long enough. And actually when I interviewed him before we went on air, he, he said, said that his wife is not on board with that. So he keeps a Saturday Sabbath and she, she's, she does other stuff. This is not the point. Keener, I mean, this shows, this shows uh, where mainstream scholarship is. And I say that because Keener is a major voice 
a major voice within uh, scholarship today. His work on Acts is four volumes. It's, it's, I think, the largest work on Acts I've ever seen. He, he fully affirms the, the, uh, the Noahide laws. Oh, I know. Oh, and that so they apply to Acts 15. And so, and right. so does, uh, it, when we were at ETS, um, Averbeck pulled right. the same exact line that Keener does on that. I was just, it was like, a, it was like a stab in the gut, man. I was like, oh, okay. Quick so, question. What's the well, lag time between when your dad taught about the word Pascha and that we don't want to read John as a separate uh, chronology than the synoptics and Petrie's work. What's how many years was that? Because if well, we were to have any data points for gauging this lag, P Petrie 20, didn't. Uh, Petrie didn't use my dad's work though. No, I know, I I know. I just mean though that, but the lag time. Yeah, fifteen years. Okay, so, but yeah, there there's a um, lag. There's a great comment in the chat room. Paul but says- But it's true I, that late in the last couple of years at ETS, there are good, there's good content that comes out. Like you, like, is it Gain that you're talking yep. about? And some other scholars where all of a sudden there's like these little fresh little sprouts coming out of the ground. <laughs> Dude, in Gain's, in Gain's book, and it was written a while ago, but in Gain's book, he- He's, he basically is talking about the idea that all laws are uh, that we need to keep are restated in the New Testament. And he's like, well, you know, we see incest with a father's, uh, you know, wife, but that's the only incest we see. So, you know, marrying a sister, marrying a cousin, marrying your mom, those would all be okay unless... You know, right, exactly. And I was like, wow, that's a great point. So great comment in the uh, in the chat room. Paul says, I used to ask the superior folks, in other words, the people who say that like bloodline is the Jewish bloodline is superior. How many Gentiles is one Jew worth? <laughs> Funny looks like no answers. Good one. Okay, let's move on. Um, before we uh, change topics, see Depends how you upon the Jew. Com. If, if, if you're talking about Yeshua, his blood purchased the elect. So, and that's Jews and Gentiles. So there's one Jew who's worth many, 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 many Jews and Gentiles. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. So as I was saying, 253-465-3205. Let's change uh, topics real quick. Lewis writes, and he says, since I've been trying to walk this Torah life out, I've noticed that church folks will give more grace or even give a blind eye to those who may be in a web of sin. But if someone says that they're trying to keep the commandments, you're the one looked at as if you're in sin and even shunned. My question is, why do you think that's so? I'll tell you why. There's two, I have two reasons for this. And then I, I'll, can, can I give you mine? I go. think that that's a, it hits them in the gut. It challenges that it's, it is a challenge to their faith because Right, they don't want to go there because it would mean their own life needs needs transformation. Go ahead, I I interjected, Caleb. Go ahead. What, I got two. I got two of them. That's one of them. I think number one, you tell somebody, "Hey, you can't eat bacon anymore." Now they have. Now they have to change. They, Them's and, fighting and, words. Yeah, they don't want to do that. They they're not. The funny thing is, is that a, a lot of a lot of evangelicals. They need the Bible to say that those things are okay because they're not willing to change. That's what now, not everyone. That's why the theology has to be God changed. Right. The, the, yep. the theology has to be God changed so we don't have to. Right. And that's exactly opposite what Caleb cited at the beginning of, you know, Matthew or Malachi. Yep. The second reason though, and I'm not going to throw every Christian who believes that the Torah has been done away with under that bus. Because I think that we do have some good Bible-believing Christians who are uh, not in that place. But, that, but the, uh, the second reason is this. Tradition. Christianity has created a different vein of religion that says, oh, well, we're part of a different covenant, even though the covenant stipulations are cited in Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, right? The Torah, the law of Moses is written on the heart. 
Um, they they wanted, you know, uh, back in the day when the Fiscus Judaicus was, was uh, implemented, they needed to get rid of these things. They needed to get rid of circumcision, kosher laws, Sabbath, and festivals. Well, they can do that real easily if, if they, you know, if they twist a couple of things here and there. The twisting happens so much that they've created a whole new vein of theology and ultimately religion when it comes down to it. Now, that's not to say that, they, that, they, that we don't have people who are saved who believe this. What I'm saying is, is that they are following after man-made tradition because that's what they've been taught. The truth of the matter is, is that if you, if you didn't have the... You, the truth of the matter is, is that people want to hold on to their, their, uh, their Christian tradition more than they want to hold on to the biblical text. Yeah, wow. It's something that we all need to be look. I mean, Yeshua said, like, if, if you think you see a speck in somebody else's eye, get the log out of your own, right? And that's, that applies to all of us. That needs to cut us to, to the heart of like, okay, why am I so upset about this speck in this other guy's eye. Oh, it's probably because I have a log in my own. Now he doesn't say that that's the end of the story. The end of the, where it ends is you remove the log out of your own eye. Then you're helpful. We're talking then, about obligation. Right? Yeah. We're talking about obligation though, right? A lot of people, like even Solberg will say, oh, well, you know, if people want to keep the Sabbath, that's totally fine. But as soon as you tell me I have to keep the Sabbath, well, I'm not telling you you have to keep the Sabbath. The Bible is. God told right. you not to eat pork. They 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 blame right. They <laughs> they blame the messenger <laughs> for the message. Yeah. Johnny, yeah. so that, those are the two reasons I think. Johnny in the chat room says this: Do you or Rob have any speaking engagements soon? Uh, no, but if you want me to speak somewhere, just let me know. Now let's move on. Joshua writes in. Quick question. For clarification's sake, I hear, hear people talking about animal sacrifices in the millennial kingdom. By the way, this is a comment on one of our videos. Are those animal sacrifices the sin and guilt offering? If so, does this defeat the whole purpose of Jesus coming down to die on the cross for the sins of humanity? Uh, if you only have to go back to the status quo of sin offerings. Let's pause right there. Now, this is going to sound like I am totally bashing Joshua for just a second. And that is not my intent. But I, I will say this: this kind of comment comes at, weekly. I mean, we get we get this com this kind of a comment weekly. And what this kind of a comment shows is that people simply do not understand the sacrificial system at all. the The scriptures tell us time and time and time and time and time again that the blood of animals does not take away sin, and it never did. And so, to have a comment like this shows that people don't understand what the sin offering and the guilt offering are for. I think that has to do with the the plank in our eye of Western Judeo-Christian tradition, like you were talking about earlier. In other words, the idea of of animal sacrifice has it, it has developed to where people the default position is that it's abhorrent. Right. It's abhorrent. To the point that we have like PETA, right? People who like they 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 are all now. I'm all I'm all for treating animals properly as as they're part of God's creation, and so abuse of animals in any form is an abomination. Especially like when you get the the feeding lots and all the things where where it's okay. I'm a you know I'm against all that, but the people who say oh that. An animal's life is no different than a human life, and you know you can't kill something, right? I, they're totally. I don't think that's that where the, that's not where this is coming from, though. I, I, this no, I, comes I know. I I I kind of stretch too far in that direction. Is the idea of, but there is an abhorrence into Western Judeo-Christian. Oh, animal sacrifice. That's I, my I, thought. I, I think I think that there I think that, that that this question comes from a place and, and not just Joshua. I think that the the this question for people comes from the idea that people think that when you went to the temple and you sacrificed an animal, it atoned for your sins. Oh right, okay. Like so, what you're getting at is uh, people don't understand the function of a sin offering. Right. They think that oh, in the Old Testament times, if I sinned, I take a sin offering and then then I'm good. Then and I'm then good. after the cross. Jesus was the 
quote, giant capital S, capital O sin offering, and therefore no more sin offerings, because what was accomplished in olden times by animal blood of animals was accomplished by Yeshua Once and, for and now all no by more. Christ. Right. And here's the okay, problem with that. Here, here's the problem with that. Number one, if if the blood of bulls and goats took away sin, which the, the scripture specifically says it did not, but if it did, then there was no reason for Christ to come. Are you telling me that 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 the Father would send His only begotten Son to uh, to die in a horrific way just so that we weren't inconvenienced to take sacrifices to uh, a temple? That's moronic. Number one. Second of all, the scriptures clearly say that that's not the case. Sacrifices never took away sin, uh, the, your sin. It never paid the price. There is a temporal aspect. It is a sign of what God does in the heavenly place for once and for all. So what happens continually on the earth, what, what does that accomplish? Let's talk about that for a second. First of all, Ezekiel does tell us that, that the prince will offer sin sacrifices for him and for, for the nation of Israel. This is really one of the reasons that I changed my view on who the prince is in Ezekiel uh, 40 through 48 or 46. And the reason why is because I believe now I believe that the, now you can go back to old shows and hear me say that I think that, that was the Messiah. I think that the prince is actually the high priest that is serving in the time of the millennium. Uh, we could talk about that at a different time. Ultimately, the point is, is that there are sin sacrifices offered again in this millennium temple. And the reason why is because there is still such thing as clean and unclean. If you want to enter the temple complex, you cannot be ritually unclean. You have to be ritually clean. And these sin sacrifices, these, these guilt offerings, they do something for the, for, the pers- for the practitioner to come in and to do things temporally. They make us clean. They temporally make the individual uh, able to uh, worship in that space again. It has nothing to do with your sin for, for uh, that uh, that that you have actually that you actually owe in the heavenly place. The only way that that can be reconciled is through the blood of something that is eternal. In both directions, it has to have the blood has to have a no beginning or ending. The life of the blood has to have no beginning, no ending, and this is one of the reasons. This is one of the reasons that it is absolutely necessary for our uh, for our understanding of salvation for Christ to be Yodhevavhe, to have no beginning and no end. Because if he had a beginning, then guess what? His sacrifice doesn't cover sin in both directions. And so the, and he's, the, 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 he's the guarantor of, of the covenant. He's the one that guarantees. Right. I mean, even back to Genesis 15, you know, it's God who goes between the pieces. Abraham can't. Or Avram at the time, he's in. He's like, he's like Adam was. You know, he's the Tardema. He can't even move. Um, and so that means God took it upon Himself of of cutting the covenant and then being the guarant. Is it guarantor? Is that the word? The guarantor. <laughs> Tanner the one for who the win in the chat room. It's like it's- on. It's absolutely all on his shoulders. Tanner in the chat room, I mean, for the win right here, animal sacrifices in the ashes of the red heifer sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, Hebrews says. Exactly. So it cleanses the flesh. It does not. And, and we also see, uh, according to things like the, uh, the Yom Kippur sacrifice, it actually, it reconciles the nation as a whole unto God, all covenant members as a whole. Now that doesn't, that does not help the individual right? But the nation as a whole now can be reconciled to God. But this all has to do with, it's a picture of what happens in the heavenly temple. Hebrews is all about this, right? That when, when Yeshua goes into the heavenly temple, he, he only has to do this once, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. Now, people are going to say things like, well, that's going to spit on the, you know, if you do a sacrifice now, you're going to spit on the, on the cross of Christ. I hear... I, literal words spit on the cross of Christ have been said to me, not only by uh, people I don't know, but by friends and, and family, right? Um, that uh, to think that animal sa- that we would do a- animal sacrifice again, it would be to spit on the cross of Christ. This is starting to change even within the scholarly world because uh, people just cannot reconcile Ezekiel. But 
or Zachariah for that matter. But the point is that no, Paul goes in Acts 21 and sacrifices in the temple. This is over 20 years after he accepts Christ. Um, and we see throughout the prophets that there will be sin sacrifices again. Once again, this is going to have nothing to do. I think that the notion that this would spit on the cross of Christ once again brings the animal sacrifices into the realm of they did something for our sin. They have yeah, never done anything for us. It's not a theology of atonement. It's exactly. Not a, it's not coming from a, a, you know, a real strong atonement hermeneutic. It, it's coming from more like headlines or, or flash, you know, one line zingers. Um, and, you know, but yeah, you know, we just keep, keep fighting the good fight. Okay. But, let's you know, move. I mean, what, you remember Hebrews 11, it, it talks about Noah by faith, right? Well, Abel, Noah, uh, you know, Abraham. Well, guess what? All these guys offered animal sacrifices, right? Abel did. Noah did. Abraham did. Who's the model Abraham, of faith Isaac, and and salvation by faith? And so they, how do we reconcile that? You know, Hebrews 11 says they all, all these, all these lived by faith. They pleased God. But wait a minute, were they confused? Why were they, why were they offering animal sacrifices? If they, if they had faith, how come that didn't, how come they didn't think to the, oh, I have faith. I, I am righteous with God by faith. Huh, silly. Silly me, thinking I'm going to do this sacrifice. Silly me. No. And it says it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So so then you're like, oh, so you have a man like Noah, by faith, offering sacrifices to God. God, it, the Torah itself tells us it was a pleasing aroma to God. Oh, okay. Now, that should, we should sit on that and say, hmm. Maybe my theology of atonement needs to change rather than me imposing a bad kind of chronology of Jesus as a plan B or, you know, that Israel had the Torah, they had a chance, but they couldn't do it. You know, I, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> okay, let's move. We're going to finish yeah. up with a final comment from Cynthia. We did make it. We did make it, Cynthia. Okay. Um, we're going to make this semi-quick because we got about 10 minutes left. But uh, it's a good question. It's one that we get often. Now, I know that this sounds weird, but it, the same kind of question happens often. I'm ashamed to say I'm somewhat emotionally numb when it comes to God. There's a part of me that wants to be able mm -hmm. to present God with my entire being because I know he wants that and I want to be able to give him that. But I fall short. I, first of all, let's pause real quick. I, we all fall short in that, I think, uh, number one. Number two, I've had people go so far as to say, since I don't feel like I'm close to God, I don't think I'm saved. So th these are the range of, of comments that we get on this subject. I've been trying to read my Bible more consistently and study. I also try to stop some bad habits, but it's becoming quite difficult. And it's even harder when you don't, even, uh, when you don't have the heart to push through. So what can we do to grow our faith and love for God in order to have a healthy, strong relationship with and be able to fully immerse ourselves with him? Because the last thing I want when it's his return, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want him to say that he doesn't know me, like what it says in Revelations. Okay. Um, wow. Is that Cynthia still? Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Cynthia, for just being real. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I think that we have this uh, question in many different uh, um, forms come to us. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that probably isn't going to, uh, that you're probably not going to like on this, but we're go I'm going to say it anyway, because it's what the Bible says. James says, resist the de devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is my favorite promise in the entire scriptures. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, I fully admit that there was a good portion of my life when I was running the opposite way from God. And I know exactly what this feels like, Cynthia and anyone else who's feeling this. I know exactly what it feels like. You feel very far away from God. He, he, you may believe that there is a God, but he feels so far away that he might as well not exist, right? I, I mean, I get this. I, I've had this exact same feeling in my own life. 
And the truth is, is that we're told if we, we're not told God will draw near to you and then draw near to him. That's not how it works. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, there are some practical ways that you can do this. Um, and I think that everyone's going to have to find their own ways to draw near to God. Ultimately, uh, through prayer and through um, meditation of the word and reading the word, I think are the ways that we actually do this. Now, let's talk about, I'll pass this over to Rob real quick, and then I will talk about practical ways for a few moments that I have found to draw near to God and things that have worked for me that have really, I think, ignited my um, my my personal time with the Lord and have draw have helped draw much closer to God. Rob? Yeah, you want, you want to nourish the roots, right? Nourish your roots. And so that's like Psalm 46. We read that on the Shabbat a couple of weeks ago. Be still and know that I am God, right? Um, Yeshua says, close the door and and pray to your father who sees what's in secret. And and the point is that he knows your heart. So when when there's an element of prayer that is that is that kind of heart inventory, not because God's learning anything, but right. he it's an opportunity where we, without judgment, because we know that he's looking upon us with kindness and love and grace that we can take every thought captive, you know, and go through and, and uh, get clear on what our requests are. And just the, I mean, I'm really moved by Cynthia, by your, just your email, you you have a lot of clarity already. And so that's really, that's really good. I, I just hope that there's something we're saying today that will encourage you Um Obviously, it's not easy. Sometimes it's more difficult than other times. But, you know, we all have a cross to bear and we want to help one another bear it when we can. But ultimately, like Paul says in Galatians 6, we each ultimately have that great uh, resistance training <laughs> from heaven, which is that that cross. And, and so it, it sounds like you're just learning to learning the feel of what of where your cross is and what it is. And, and, um, but of course, you know, leaning on Yeshua, knowing that he is, he's your redeemer, you know, um, that you don't have to judge yourself. And if you, if you're condemning yourself in your thoughts or judging yourself in your thoughts, just kindly, you know, by the Holy spirit, you know, I just pray that you would, uh, just, remember that, that just to knock that off and, and just say, okay, Lord, you, there's, there's no, it's not like we're going to do some great work and, and God's going to say, Hey, wow, you've earned more love now. I I love you more now. God's not going to love us more in a thousand years than he, than he did before creation. Right. It's, it's, it's a different continuum. And so we want to to when we're like Caleb said, you know, prayer abiding in the word is just remember that we're not earning. We, we do, we do want to be transformed. Like Paul says in, you know, Romans 12 and elsewhere, we want our mind to be renewed. And, and like we talked about at the very beginning of our episode, that delighting in the Torah, you know, it's all through the Psalms, delighting in his word. And part of that is delighting in, in learning his love for us and that he, redeemed us out of his love, not out of anything we did to earn his attention. And uh, anyway, that's a lot of words, but I, I hope that there's something in here that we're, we're talking about. I th- and thanks just for being real and, and just sharing that with us. That's uh, that's I'm going to, tr- I'm going to try to do this in under five minutes. Here are Go. some of my, um, some of my suggestions to people who feel like they're in this place and, and ways that I think that you can draw near to God. Now I'm going to start with a person who may have time and that sometimes, especially, you know, I get it. I have a full-time job. I have four children. I exercise every day. I, um, my wife exercises every day and somebody has to be with the kids. So I have to take time to let her do that. Um, time is an issue. I get it. Let's pretend that you have time that you can set aside in the morning. This may be waking up an hour earlier. Um, it may be going to bed an hour later. It might be, um, uh, so someone gave uh, some great advice to uh, mothers one time that I was listening to. He said, if you have another mother or another couple mothers, 
who need time with the Lord. Um, you get to a place, maybe it's a church building, maybe it's a house, whatever. Uh, one, one mother watches all the kids while the other has a half an hour to be able to do devotions or whatever. And then you switch. So, I mean, there are ways that you can find time, um, to be with the Lord. And, uh, I think that that's carving out time to be with the Lord, no matter what your situation is, I think is vital. Um, and this is the first step in, in drawing close to God. So that's number one is find time to be with the Lord, whether, and, maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's an hour. When I first started uh, my daily devotion uh, time, I was, I was maybe 20 to 30 minutes and it was hard for me to fill that time. I didn't know what to do. Now I'm at an hour and if I get an hour and a half to two hours in the morning, uh, I, that time is all totally filled. I have, I have, I'm even wishing that there was longer by the time I'm done with it. And uh, some of that comes from uh, training, it, it, people training you how to do devotions. And when I was a kid, we would sit down as a family, we'd do family devotions, and we would read one chapter out of the Bible, we'd pray for maybe five, 10 minutes. That was it. That was what we did. And so when I became an adult, and I started doing my own personal devotions, that's exactly what I did. I would sit down, I'd read a chapter of the Bible, I would pray for a couple minutes. That was it. So I really had to retrain myself how to do these things. So let's talk about how do we, how can we fill time with the Lord that's going to be beneficial to us? Number one, I would say uh, get a uh, get a planner of some kind. Um, there are apps for this, but you can also find. I actually have a. Uh, I found a planner that has. Um, notes on one side, and then it, it does have times, like two columns on this side, but I use it as a prayer journal. And what I do is I have a left column where I write down whatever is in my mind, my friends, family, whatever. And then I move people from that column or I place people in the left column that are emergency list. So I have a weekly emergency list. Those people are prayed for every single day. So I try to get through the left column in one week and I try to get through the, the right column in uh, every single day. And then anybody who goes into the right column, I write down what's going on on the right-hand page. And this really helps center your prayer time. It's going to, uh, you're going to realize that you have way more to pray for after you start writing these lists out. Uh, you have way more to pray for than you thought. It's not just, oh, I need some money today and Lord, you know, help my wife and help this person. You're actually categorizing and now you're looking at, um, you know, the various things that are, uh, that are needed. That's, that's number one for prayer time. Number two is I would say, um, it's important to obviously be in the word, get onto a reading plan and maybe it's just a chapter a day. Maybe it's whatever it is. And, uh, that's fine. Whether, whatever you're reading, you need to be on a plan. Now this is going to be different than going through the Bible in a year. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but, uh, you know, be in the word and then at, try to ask two to three questions every single time you can write them down in a notebook and then answer those questions, Quite genuine questions. Maybe you don't have answers for them, but start asking questions about the task text, uh, ask things that you want answers. And if you need to go to a pastor, go to a husband, go to a wife, go to whoever, and start talking about these things and trying to get answers from them. Um, that's number two. So um, I always like to spend five to 10 minutes in silence after I read my Bible. I know that this sounds weird, but I ask the Lord, what? please show me something from this text. Now, I'm not hearing audible voices from the Lord or anything like that. I don't want people to think that, but I think that it's very. it has been very beneficial for me to sit in total silence and just focus on what I've read. And this cultivates more questions. And then I write down my questions after that. I keep another journal. I have about five notebooks, by the way, for, for all of this going on. Um, I have another journal, this one right here. This is for uh, this is this is for the great grandchildren, so that they can look back and see the the, the questions that I've had on biblical texts or uh, the things that I've prayed about. Another thing that I like to do is I like to listen to the Bible. So I do this at nighttime so that I have Bible reading in the morning. I have Bible listening at night. I put it on 1.5 times speed and I go through the Bible in a year. It takes about less than 10 minutes. We have family devotions as well. I know this sounds like a lot and it is a lot. You're not going to be able to take all this on all at once. Um, but ultimately, uh, as you keep going, these things become staples in your day. And finally, the last thing that I'll say, and there are many more things that I could recommend, but the last thing that I'd say is this. Actually, there's two more things. Two more things. Choose a book of the Bible that you can read in under 20 minutes um, and then read it for a month straight every single day, except for maybe Saturdays, Saturdays and Sunday. Take the weekend off, but five days a week, read through the, through, through the book 
and do that. I think that there's 30 or 40 books that you could read in under 20 minutes. You can also listen to them, read it every single day. You would be amazed how that opens up uh, the word of God. Uh, Finally, write, start writing down a book of the Bible. It could be James, it could be Ephesians, it could be Colossians, it could be something bigger like Deuteronomy, whatever. Write two verses a day. Just try to copy the Word of God. Um, you'll see things that way that are completely different as well. All of these little things, they, I mean, they stack up in time real quick. And, but what you're doing is you're saturating yourself with the Word of God, you're saturating yourself with prayer, you're saturating yourself uh, just with the Lord and uh, spending time with God. And I think that these are the things that will really help uh, draw closer to God. I, I, I think it's going to be different for everybody. So I'm not, this, this is not some, you know, if you're in a real dark place, you know, go talk to a pastor, go talk to, to a spiritual leader of some kind that, that can, can help you. But ultimately the point is, is that I think that if we start to do things that draw us closer to God, God will naturally draw closer to us. And uh, we will see the fruit of that in our own lives. All right. I hope that that helps uh, in some way, shape, or form. If you have more questions, I can recommend more things. Uh, Interestingly, the reason, Cynthia, that I have chosen to discuss this uh, question, your question today, instead of someone else's in previous times, is because I just got done at Southern Seminary doing a class called uh, Personal Spiritual Disciplines. And uh, there are books that you can read. There's uh, a really good book by a uh, professor that I, that actually from my professor in that class, uh, his last name is Herod, 40 Questions on Prayer. It is excellent. It's probably one of the better books that I've read uh, in a practical sense on on anything in a really long time. He asks 40 different questions on prayer, and then he answers them. And I would recommend that book for sure. Um, Anyway, okay. We will be back next week, Lord willing, um, with our season opener of season 11. Um, and until that time, we definitely need things to talk about. So if this, uh, if this show has sparked things for you, send them on in, seehagatorresource.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, 253-465-3205. It is, we do need things to talk about next week. So please, uh, whatever you got, send it in now, and it might be our season 11 opener. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, I think you know why. It's because Messiah matters. <laughs>